episode 31 is here good evening everybody good evening ben hello hello um a lot of excitement going around in the prop pod uh, because ben and i have actually seen each other twice would you believe no three times since uh, the last episode so much hobby has been done um so tonight we have the hobby desk as always we're talking about titans we're talking about mordor um we even may talk about some weathering i think we will won't we dude i think so yes powders tonight um weathering powders that is <laughs> galaxy four <laughs> so in the grim darkness a lot going on as usual reaver titans bestride the battlefields ben and i opened rogue trader together um wake the dead has been announced there's some forge world coming soon which is really nice to see uh, so plenty to talk about there um, and I took a drubbing from some dudes in gold armour, so I definitely want to talk about that. Um, into the Mortal Realms. So I did play a game. I've got a, a heartfelt apology to make to Mr. Wosley, but we can wait till that section to talk about that. Um, and we also have the Beastmen have come, and Ben and I are going to explore the Lizardmen, um, looking back into the old world and also where they are now. So then into the community as ever with our shout-outs, our competition winner... So exciting, uh, exciting times there. <laughs> um, and then finally, in a slight change to the lineup, it's our first journey to Middle Earth section. So um, with me merrily enjoying a bit of Lord of the Rings and scratching my head on what to put into the wilds, we've decided um, just for this episode, we're going to change over the journey to Middle Earth and we're going to intersperse it. So as ever, if you've got any cool ideas for the wilds, let us know. Uh, and I think... Dude, apart from grabbing the always important refreshments, that's us. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure what will happen is we'll change our minds, you know, halfway through, forget stuff, add something in, but, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, and this intro will be pretty much worthless other than building people up to actually having to listen to us for uh, the rest of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, grab some refreshments. Enjoy episode 31. Hey, almighty listeners, and welcome to the 31st Hobby Desk. Um, three weeks off, and we've got a lot to talk about. Yes, we In have. Fact, <laughs> we spent we spent a couple of days working on the same Hobby Desk, which is unprecedented. It was. Um, in, it was a long, long time, and it was awesome. It was very cool. Real um, real exchange of, of um, sort of skills, I thought. Yep, and it's, it's um, like, no exchanging of ink, though. No, no. If Dan says he hasn't got something, don't believe him. <laughs> I, I think my look- favourite quote of yours was, you got that much stuff in this flipping room, you don't even know what you've got in here. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> so, yeah. um, where do we start? Let's start with the Titans, dude, because, oh my Absolutely. God, they're so nice. Well, you spent the, the two sort of days you were up here working on yours, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, so I can't even remember what Titan Legion I went for, but the the Void Runners, them ones, the Warp Runners, they're called Warp Runners. Yeah, them ones, Legio um, Astorum. Yeah, see, I I've paid so little attention to the names of Titans because I tried not to. 
I've tried not to get excited about Titans because they were always out of reach. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Now they're not. They're not out of reach. And I can, I'm trying to get excited about them, reading all the background and, um, and loving it. But the, the Titan models, I cannot even begin to explain how I, I, anything I say will be an understatement of how wonderfully posable and detailed those kits are. They've yeah. put so much effort into them, haven't they? Oh, they're excellent. Yeah, they're really nice. And I um, I started painting mine today. Well, no, I started painting it a while ago, but I just, I've just i sort of been doing a bit and then not, and then doing a bit. So I decided to crack on and do a bit more today. And it's just so much fun looking around the model. And it's just like, oh, mm. look at that, look at that. I'm just uh, just greying out some armor plates at the moment. But um, yeah, it's quite fun. Although I, think, I wouldn't want, you know, you're obviously doing two at the same time. I don't think I would want to do that. But. No, I, I think the thing I was about to say, I think they, they're deceptively, deceptive models. Deceptively deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, they, they look about the same size as a dreadnought. So you think, oh, well, it won't take me that long to paint them. But it's just, just so wrong. There's so yeah. much going on. And the, the panel edging and the detailing on them, you end up spending so much time just blocking out the gold panel rims. But <laughs> yeah, it's they're they're almost so poseable that you have to rein yourself back. Yeah, you. So I found like it was important to try and remember what it is. Exactly, it's a <laughs> massive flipping titan, and not an acrobat. <laughs> <laughs> or Power Ranger, you know. And it's yeah. like, can I have him kicking someone in No, you can't. <laughs> Might be worth it though. Ah, oh, Titans in like a Power Rangers fist fight would be amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's how they fight on Pacific Rim, isn't it? Yeah, that is true. Just they they forget, do. forget the guns, they just go and hit the thing like in the that. face. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I I went for a slightly different approach to you, which is interesting because they're, they're such a there's so many textures, so many different ways to approach them. You can you could really go in a lot of different ways, but I dry brushed up from black and then washed back again, and I will probably do some spot edge highlighting when the whole thing is done for yeah. the the kind of the the structure of the thing, and then I've airbrushed, and it's the first time I've really used the airbrush to do a a model. And the highlights on a model, rather than just lay down base coats, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I've been really focused on like, well, you were there when I was doing it and working myself up into a cold sweat because I was trying desperately not to get the blue on the on the steel. Which um, you succeeded in on the whole. Yeah, 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 I did. Um, oh, always kind of hold myself back from highlighting and. Now that I've had them out and about a bit, I'm very glad you convinced me to push the highlight up an extra level. Yeah. I'm really glad you did that. But I loved painting them. I, I'm I'm really excited about getting them finished, but things were last week that meant that I couldn't. So um I'm gonna be I've got painting night tomorrow night. So the guy's gonna be over, so I'm really gonna get my teeth into them and finish them off. Nice. Um oh, I can't wait to see them. Yeah, I did one I... leg panel. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you got so excited watching me do mine. Yeah, I know. I was merrily painting my Lord of the Rings and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
What else? Have, hang on, I've got a list of the stuff that I've done. You, well, oh, you the finished Stormcast. your Stormcast. I did. I finished my Stormcast. That was and, exciting. And did another world class guide. I yeah, I'm enjoying doing those. They're really tr- good. Like I went and looked at it after I took some photos to do one, and I was like, "No, I'm not going to do one yet. I'll do it when I take some better photos because <laughs> <laughs> I look like an amateur." I've tried to do one for the Titan. Um, it won't be as detailed as the other two because I was kind of in the zone of experimentation when I was doing it at your desk. So, but I have tried to yes sort yeah. of do it. Uh, we'll see. The other thing I've been doing is I built a hobby desk as a, as a gaming table, which is the first time oh, I've did. ever had a gaming table. There's now a gaming table in my garage. I'm so excited about it. It's great. You got your carpentry going. I kind of over manufactured it though, so I, c- I can only just fit my <laughs> realm of battle boards in. I've done it so precisely. <laughs> I, sh- I should have given them a little extra leeway, but I didn't, um, which is a bit silly. And I've painted my. Um, the Realm of Battle tiles as well. So, that's quite, pretty much what, done with the painting. Now? Yeah. So, um, ah, I used well some done. building paint, some, uh, masonry paint with a texture in, painted over them to try and get a little bit more finer yeah. grit on it. And then, um, the whole thing got done with, the, I think it's the Shattered Earth, the Games Workshop paint set, which is, it's got, um, dryad bark. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and then Steel Legion Brown, and then, uh, Camry? Or am I just making that up? Uh, Kaz- no, Car- uh, Thiggy Stone. Carrack Stone. Carrack Stone, yeah. Um, which is a kind of, it's a nice, soily middle ground between my Space Walls and, well, everything, actually, but I wanted it to look earthy and natural so that things that went on it didn't look completely out of place. Should have just bought some turf. Yeah, well, I could have done. Could have done. <laughs> so I've I've done I did those dry brushes and then I've worked. But before I, I put the dryad bark on and then I used grey primer to grey out the the stone areas, then dry brushed it up through the other two colours, and then worked my way back in with the airbrush and Games Workshop washes. Oh yeah, rinsed my way through washes. Washes go through the airbrush like a rate of knots. Yes, um, do. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to get myself some more Agrax Earthshade. Um, but that that they look all right now. I think I think they look nice and because the thing about natural things is you want to have as many different textures across the surface as you can. Um, not textures, but colours. Well, and textures, t- colours, textures, the lot. So I've got two different colour flocks, two different lengths of static grass from Jarvis, which used yeah. to used to be the old. Um, Scorched grass by Games Workshop is pretty much exactly the same, and they don't make okay. they don't make scorched grass anymore. And I used it a lot, so I kind of needed to have it. And um, some tufts I'm going to put on the on the rocky outcrops. So um, I'm going to have a, like a lot of textures going on. I might even do some of my um, uh, leaves I done for my orcs. You know, with the oh yes, yeah, um, herbs, and then washed yeah. back in. Um, just around bits of the stony areas, just to to tie that army in a bit. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that because it's the first time I've ever had a gaming table in my house, so it's a real moment. Well, it's good. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to play on it. 
Yeah, I got. Yeah, I'm going to invite the guys over and get a pizza in, and um, pretend I'm not on Slimming World for the night. <laughs> <laughs> we got stuff. We mentioned that in the last episode. It's like a flipping diet show now, right? Rather than just the hobby cast. So you've been building the armies of Mordor. I have been building the armies of Mordor. Yes, I've got. Uh, I think I worked. I got about 650 points done now. And I've just sort of base coated and got ready to leap into the last 21 models that I had. Yeah. Um, And And then then, you got distracted by a Titan. (laughs) Yeah. And then I just thought, oh, Titans. Well, no, I was feeling a bit reticent to start painting them. And I was like, well, I don't want, learning a little bit from what you've said to me in the past, I was like, I don't want to get fed up with painting Mordor, so I'm not going to paint them right now. I'm going to paint something else. Yeah. So I'll do a bit of work on the Titan. Um, I have also um, bought a box of Cordor Gangers for Necromunda. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got to get on with them at some point. And also, uh, Ben and I have split Pelennor Fields now. You've actually done that now, have you? Yeah, so that's all yeah. sat behind. So I've got another 36. So I've got a boatload of Mordor forces to do. Um, <laughs> but I'm quite excited to do the troll, so I might do him soon. Are you going to do him as a combat troll or a drummer? Or He's not being a drummer. What? Like, what? No, he's being, he'll be a combat troll. Um, I might get another one in the future and do it as a drummer. but They're not expensive. I think they're really reasonable. What to buy? Yeah. Well, they're twenty five pound, but to be quite honest, um, you'd be mental to go into a GW and buy one for twenty five pound because every man and his wife is selling them for fifteen quid on eBay because they've obviously bought Pelinor and split it up. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, yeah, they're all right. Um, looking forward to painting him. So I'll do him at some point. Yeah. Say with the Titan, I did a bit more work on the silver today. I'm really happy actually. I um was watching a painting guide from... Actually, we'd done a lot of shout-outs. Coltel painting. Oh, he's so good. We've shouted him out before, yeah. Yeah, so... Yep. um, and, and basically what he did is he went, he went dark with the metal and then he used the sponge and did chipping on the metal with um, Vallejo Model Air steel. Yeah. So I put another coat of wash on and then when that had dried, did the same thing, and I was really happy. And then I used some of the AK Interactive because I thought, seeing as I own it and you've used it, <laughs> I better better <laughs> use it. Spilt it across the desk, you know, all up my oh, hoodie, my days, wiped yeah. it on my face, smeared it That's across it. the window. It <laughs> well, it's the engine oil, it's the good. engine oil one. Yeah. So I got that, and I started like going like especially um, in the joints, yeah, like. Where, like the, where where things move and I've got it I've kind of manipulated it to be coming out a little bit um, and also like pistons I painted them um, model air steel so they're really bright like the bits that go in and out and then I put this stuff on them yeah um, you can't see loads of it like, because it's quite small isn't it but I tried to do a bit of heat bloom on the um, on the volcano cannons and it hasn't it's alright 
it works be- it works when you look at it closely it looks quite cool but i think what i've done is i've not used a powerful enough purple to start off with yeah so it kind of just looks blue yeah um but that's fine i mean i i might go back in i could go back in and put a bit more purple in that's not a problem um but i'm i'm trying not to get too like at up over it i've got too much to paint to be spending ages trying to fix little things um built my knights as well ready to go they were good fun bit fiddly we've had a chat about those haven't we because on the sprue they look terrifyingly complicated yeah they're not they're very low limit limited parts but you have got to build them with the instruction because i (laughs) i clipped out all the banners that go between their legs yeah um and they are specific to each one and i was like oh for goodness sakes i clipped them all out without reading it so it's my own fault silly idiot but there we are they're all together so yeah plenty going on on the hobby desk for me um i've um i've been putting together my pelinor fields as well actually well you're you've you've had to put back together a lot of your stuff and you you had most of it was broke yeah, that's a real shame. I mean, Lord of the Rings models do break easily because they're smaller scale, but I had eight breakages on the sprue before I'd even got them out of the box, and I was a bit gutted about that. Whoever was packing your box knew you were a Space Wolf player. Just <laughs> sat there snapping them. I didn't, nothing was broken in ours. Well, good. I'm glad, I'm pleased so, to hear that. Yeah. But, um, I have... So you've been building that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. To, are those, Wanna, is this the right time to talk about it? Why not? I've been really gutted. As, as people who listen to us know, I spent a number of years out of the hobby, not um, not focused on it or paid much attention to it because I was a junior doctor, so you know the eighty plus hours straight back to back days don't help for it. Um, the time you actually get off, you just sleep, <laughs> and um. <laughs> I've been absolutely amazed by how many things have come and gone in that just two years. It just yeah. amazes me. I mean, I, it started off with scenery and like the big missile silo slash cannon thing. I, I'd only just spotted that on a games workshop, um, on a Warhammer World table. And I, I thought, oh, I haven't really clocked what that was. I didn't realize that that was a product. And then somebody said there's this big macro cannon thing, plasma cannon thing. And then I went on to the Lord of the Rings stuff, and I, it's just broken my heart a little bit. So, many, it's so many things. You've got to remember, though, that Adam Troke did say that a lot of stuff would be unavailable and then become available as books were done to... Yeah, that that were focused on it, which is why I said I think the White Council from the the Hobbit range. You'll see when the Hobbit book gets done. Well, both of them. The, the... I I don't know. I would have thought they were. I would be surprised, surprised, surprised if they did both of them. Well, this is the thing because one of them is the White Council just sort of standing around having a cup of tea, and then there's the other one where it's the White Council kicking ass. And I want both of them. But well, the wh- to quote to quote um, a man recently, when I required some uh, aid in feeling better about something, you'll have to suck it up, boyo. Well, yeah, I will. Unfortunately, 
because I went on eBay and somebody was selling the White Council for a hundred quid, and I was like, "There's no way I'm paying that." So, so there we go. Um, so, so that's hobby. So we were going to talk about weathering powders. We were, yeah, weathering powders. Um, now you, I haven't had a lot of experience with weathering powders. I've used them a little bit. Um, I I use them a fair bit actually. Um, so you head on in as you do. I think it's a difficult place to start. Uh, it is talking about. You have to go back to the beginning when we talked about balance, and and how much of each thing you want to do. Weathering yeah. powders are the last thing, pretty much, that you do, I think, because the dirt would sit on top of the chips and all those other things very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always do them last, and. They have the potential, particularly if you've chosen a bright colour like a sandy colour or you can get some really pale muds, they will overpower the model very, very easily and they dry a lot brighter than they go on. So you can be putting the powder on and thinking, oh, that's that looks really good. And then you think it's dried and you're like, yeah, I'm happy with that. And then you go away and come back and you're like, Good heavens, what have I done to it? Um, <laughs> but there's some tricks. So um, I think it's really important when you're doing your weathering powders to think about what it is that you're trying to portray. So if you're trying to portray your a dirt, it has to tie in with the base, otherwise it just doesn't look right. Um, even if that means putting some of the weathering powder onto the base, which does make a great deal of sense, but you know, have to be careful with it. Can it can overpower things quite a lot? Uh, or are you trying to portray soot or both of those things on the same model? But it keeps, I'm going to keep coming back to don't overdo it. It's all about subtlety. Um, the thing to remember about weathering powders is that when they run into the cracks, they have a kind of inverse highlighting effect, especially if you've chosen, um, a lighter powder or a different colour. So if you've gone for a black or a dark brown, you're fine. But if you've gone for a sand or a pale mud or a red kind of Martian mud and it sits in the cracks, it, it will be quite a stark thing. Um, so I think you need to be careful about the effect that you're going for. And I would very, very strongly recommend you do a test model, even if it's just laying down a bit of the colour you know, your your, your primary colour, and then putting it on and thinking, does that look right? Am I happy with that? Um, does that all make sense, or did that sound a bit rambly? No, that makes sense. I think what I would just quickly chime in with, um, with regards to your last point, is it. I think I said last time about using um, gloss varnish as a save point. Absolutely, so yeah. when I do powders, I, I gloss first, and then... That basically, within reason, you can pretty much wash off powders if you if you don't like what you end up with. You it does it can stain a little bit if um if it's on there for a while. Yeah, I know when I did my salamanders, I had exactly what you've just described. So I put it on and it looked great. Then it dried out. And it had gone in the recesses and it just looked ridiculous because <laughs> it yeah. was like bright grey. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? So I went back and I washed it all down Yeah, um, and did it again. But, yeah. So, so just a couple of points. 
I think we, you've you've hit the starting point for my next bit. So how do we actually apply them? I think it's very sensible to gloss varnish because it it changes how the cert you can put things on the surface. Although you don't have to. It depends a lot on how confident you are in doing it, and it also depends on what it is you're using as your medium. So a powder is literally that. It is a a pigmented powder. Some of them leach their pigment quite a lot, and you can literally turn them into a paint if you wanted to. And some of them don't. Some of them, if you if you mix it with water, you can see them suspend the particles suspended in the water. It doesn't break down. Um, hmm. You can use a number of different mediums. So I I use four depending on how I'm feeling. I quite often use water actually, Dan. Um, I yeah. found that works quite well. Um, it doesn't give you a great deal of working time, um, but it it means that you don't break up the paint underneath. Um, I very often use Lamian medium, really like that, um, and you can you can do it in a number of ways. So I the way I do it most is um, put the powder on a palette, and I get the medium and I mix it in until I've got a, a sort of a solution, and then I paint it onto the model where I want it. Some yeah. people get the solution and put it onto the model and then use a thicker amount of the of the powder and apply it in and let it sort of leach into the cracks where the solution is. Um, and some people then put more of the, the medium over the top to try and break it up a little bit. Um, I think you can do all of those things, but essentially what you're using is your medium to suspend the powder into the place that you want it and then break it up. Um, and depending on how you feather the edges with your brush or um, let it be a stark line if you want to do that, because if it's wet mud, that works quite well, I think. Um, if you want a dusty colour, then I, I I think it's really important to feather the edges out and make sure that you don't get you know, a stark line. Um, the other thing I quite like using is um, a, a retarder, so a drying retarder, so a blending medium of some kind. Then you can really work with it. The problem is with that, it will take an age to dry, so you don't really know how well it's gone for a long time. Yeah. The final one to consider as a medium is isopropanol. Um, if you're using isopropanol, I strongly suggest that you gloss varnish first. Because well, you'd have to, otherwise you'll lift the paint. Yeah. Because uh, you... I use white spirit. And that's that's another reason I gloss because the white spirit will lift the paint. Yeah, you don't have much time to work with that, so you have to. I think you have to be slightly more confident when you're using a, a an alcohol because it will lift the paint. And if you're sitting there fiddling around with it, it'll just mess up everything that you've done underneath. Um, which yeah. is why I moved on to Lambian medium and water. I used air. Well, use... and also it's not like. White spirit, you know, you need the window open, you need a mask, really. It stinks. You certainly wouldn't want to be doing it on your coffee table. Like, you know, I know you do a lot of hobby inside on the coffee table so you can be around the family. We aren't going to whip out the isopropanol slash white spirit and start no. doing that then. No. Um. So I think that's, that's... I've pretty much said all I've got to say on that. I think it's... It works really well on infantry. Um, I would gradiate it down so there's more around the feet. Um, dust does collect in cracks. So as much as I've said 
you know, beware that it does. That's kind of the point as well. Um, but you don't want to overdo it. That's, that's the main thing. Although having said that as well, if you, if you've got the feet, you can really make it look quite grubby on their feet and then less grubby as it goes up the body. Really think about where the dust is going to get caught. So above the top of knee pads in the cracks or the ridge around the edge of a shoulder pad looks really good. Um, tanks. It comes into its own, really, with tanks. Um, you can really go to town with it. And, um, but then there's a number of wet products as well that you can use for that. AK does a wet mud. Um, kind of, kind of depends on what look you're going for. Um, it's worth also bearing in mind that powders, unless Ben, you've found a magic formula, are not terribly resilient. Even if you even if you varnish the model afterwards, so particularly with tanks, um, yeah, where you are likely to handle areas that you may have put powder on, yeah, um, and and even simple things like when you're storing your miniatures, if you're putting them into foam, which is going to rub against the model, it, your powder will come off. Not it might not. <laughs> you won't put it in and then take it out and be like, oh, all the powder's gone. But it will come off over time. Um, so that's also something to bear in mind when you're deciding like what what areas you want to do with what mediums. Because yeah. if you you know, if you're gonna do large flat areas near the surface and you want to use you know, you want to weather them, you want probably want to think about looking at uh paint paint products and things to do that as opposed to powders, because otherwise your hard work's gonna come undone. Yeah. Absolutely. So there we are, powders. Um, there's some good stuff out there. Like you can buy Mig, I think do it, and Tamiya definitely do it. You can buy little packs of a few of them for specific things. Yeah, um, and they I... usually come with a little guide and. Yep. Secret weapon does some really nice ones. Yeah. Um, I I mainly use a set of Revel ones. Actually, it's a eight quid set. Um, you'll find them. Almost every hobby shop that has a decent stock of Revel stuff will have the powder set. Um, Even Hobbycraft has that. It, it does. And um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's got six in there. So it's got black, dark brown, um, rust, uh, white, sand, and there's one more, green, mud green. Um, and what that means is, because you've got the different colours, you can, you can have a play. And I think if I could, re- if I was going to recommend a starter set of, of, um, powders, that would be the one because it means you can have a go and use the different ones and see what it's like when you put green on and browns on and blacks on. Um, I very rarely use the black, for example, because I find the dark brown does the, a better job, looks mm. more realistic. I only ever use the black for soot. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's a nice little starter set. And you can you can grab a top a, a pot of Lamia medium and and for under fifteen quid or in, you know in most places even at the most expensive you can start having a go at weathering um, with weathering powders so that would be my recommendation and of course we'll Good pop stuff. a link up to that um, yeah so next time <laughs> we've got to do a bit of extra research because we're going to talk a little bit about the staining products and the We've had a go with a few of them on our Titans that the kind of liquid grime 
that AK do for us for as a primary dealer, but um, and probably maybe think about oil washing as well. But that's next. I'm glad you've just said that because I've left a pot of um, rust streaks in the pocket of my coat. (laughs) You'd forgotten about it it the other day, and I just (laughs) you talking about it just reminded me. So I need to go and rescue that. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, what what I was going to hope to do, Dan, is a little guide on how to do those, um, on how to do the weathering, for people to put up. I'm going to start with the chipping. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Uh, step by step, so people can see how I do it. I don't, you know, by like we've always said, we're certainly not experts at this. And there's, if you, if you've been interested in what we say, what kind of what we're trying to do is get people interested in these things. So they go away and look at people who actually know how to do it. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's move on to um, a galaxy of war. The pod thunders ever onwards, ladies and gents. So uh, we are now into the galaxy of war. So lots of stuff going on, Ben, in the galaxy of war. There is. Um, there absolutely is. So much. First, <laughs> sorry, what are you going to say? So much. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so, you know, we talked about the Tears of the Wanderers. Yes. Ages ago. Do you remember that? Yeah. New one, Tears of Joe. Um, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Bless her. <laughs> so, um, first, some more thunderous footfalls. The Reaver Titan is now available. Yeah. Um, sold out on the Games Workshop website for a while there. Um, which is not a surprise because some of the pictures I've seen, you know, where people have this desperate urge to post pictures of giant amounts of products that they bought um i think bit i've seen 12 reaver titan boxes in one picture um i'm like i just couldn't face doing it <laughs> just like, building no. them all um i couldn't face so, building them let alone painting them yeah absolutely um two warlords is bad I, enough yes well yeah but now that means as per your rules for yourself you need four. I do. Yeah. So Ben, uh, Ben the base has ordered himself two of them. Uh, they're on the way. Uh, I haven't ordered any yet. I would like to get one, but I'm not going to get it until the um, the warlord is done. Really, uh, but I only want one at the moment. Uh, and then it's warhounds, which I think are next month, possibly. Yeah. I believe the Reaver has got actually got an option in it. There's um you can choose to have the Gatling Blaster and Fist or some kind of turbo laser destroyer, I think it is. And a fist. I think the top weapon has to be the Is it missiles yeah. the Reaver yeah. has? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's gotta be that. Unless you convert I mean I've seen loads of conversions. I I have all respect to people converting them. Um, a lot of respect for people converting them. I've even seen some people have designed them and printed them on 3D printers, which seems to be the thing to do at the moment, um, which is very impressive. But I have to say, like, 
I just couldn't bring myself to convert one because when they bring out the actual one, I'll just be like, oh, I want that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's nice to see, nice to see a bit of hobby. Um, anything to say on Reaver Titans, dude? No, I, except just to echo what I said in the first bit, I, I've seen pictures of them where I can't work out whether it's the real thing or the or the Titanicus. <laughs> you know, I, I see warlords and I think, oh, that's a really nice Titanicus, and it's a and it's a war, actual full scale warlord, and vice versa. Then people have done such a good job of painting yeah. the small ones that that you you know it's, it's mind blowing. It really is. I, I'm really excited about the uh, warhounds, though. I'm. I love Warhounds, always have done. Um, so I'm really excited to, to see those. Um, yeah. Right, well, that's next time. So, well, it might be out next. What's what's the date now? Yeah, it might be in the next White Dwarf. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I'm hoping for boxes of two of those. Well, if the sprues have been seen, and it would appear there are two on the sprues. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that's a good one there. Yeah. That's good. So what else have we got? Um, a little list to go through, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we opened Rogue Trader when you popped by the other day. We did, yeah, mate. So I'm I'm going to um, start by getting all excited by the terrain that's in it. Yeah, the board. I was like, oh yeah, it's just another board. It's flipping brilliant. Yeah, that little shuttle side, and then the shrine on the other side. And they're the same size as the kill team boards, which I suppose is obvious that they would be. But um, I haven't really properly explored kill team yet. So for me, that was like, oh, but I'm quite excited about Necromunda at the moment. And looking at the terrain, I was like, well, I need that for my Necromunda. Yeah. Like the little terminals and stuff. There's a little chair. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it would be great. You could use it as, you know, imagine a shuttle at like crashed into the underhive like thousands of years before and had become buried and then was found oh it'd be brilliant yeah it's um it's it's also something i've been sort of eyeing up for role playing as well oh yeah yeah some really nice environments there i think um i think they would work really well the board folds down i think i don't know what the board's Come like in the uh, in the actual battlefield boxes, the war zone boxes. But in the kill team box, it's one less fold than the rogue trader box. So the rogue trader box was kind of sold as it can fit into a um, mini cowering case, all of it, um, and you'd be ready to go. Um, so I wonder if it has got an extra fold in it, but it does fold down one more time. Oh, right. Okay. If that makes... Uh, I hope... what, so it's smaller when it's folded yes. up? Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's one extra fold. Um, okay. And it's that kind of detailed product review that people come here for? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so good work there, Ben. Good investigation. The, uh, the actual models themselves, I have to say, they are absolutely stunning. And I think Darren and his team have done just a superb job with them because... What it's allowed them to do is is go outside of the box and look at stuff which doesn't get done very much at all. So 
there was a time where you, we had a few Inquisitor models, and you know, one of them was an arm swap, effectively, on another one. Um, and that was they were exploring those areas a little bit, but this this that whole box is completely new things. You know, the Rogue Trader, her her sort of little entourage, um, then the squad of her personal guard. Uh, and all of the Nurgle things, they're all completely new. They're pushing the boundaries and, and exciting models that you, you, you just don't get anywhere else in 40k. And it, it, it's just fresh. Fresh is the word I'm looking for. And I, I just love them. You know, I'm looking at that box set, even the Nurgle miniatures in it and thinking, I want to, I want to paint each one of these as a character. Mm. Cause they, they're stunning. Absolutely stunning. And, you know, for, there is a lot of people who, who feel that a lot of some of the stuff that Games Workshop does is a bit regurgitated. Um, you know, the look at my sword pose and all of that stuff has, we just had that with the, the next thing we're going to talk about. But, um, perhaps, and perhaps Space Marines can get very samey, but I think we're also seeing now an era of model design where they're going mental in the corners and, and, opening up 40k like we haven't seen in a long long time a long long time i think it's really exciting i know it's great well i think their capacity now is such that they can explore these things yeah and be confident that the core range is still receiving the attention required yeah yeah it's um it's like when uh, seb um was talking about the elves. They just said, here, dude, go and just draw pictures of elves. And he did. Yeah. And then he came back and they're like, we're going to do all of this and that and that and we're going to choose that one. And the, the um, Deepkin were ones that he'd done just as a sort of whimsy. Thought they'd never choose that. Why would anyone choose someone riding on a seahorse? And and they, they did. And I think this box feels like they've given the designers an empty sketchbook and go, go nuts. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've done. And it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to you painting those up. I'm looking forward to painting those up. Although the ones that are coming out now, I'm not the only one who's looked at that box set and gone, I really want to do everyone like a character. Because there, there are some stunning versions of them coming out already. Almost a little yeah. bit shy to post any pictures of anything I do about them. Um <laughs> So should we should we move slide quickly on to Wake the Dead, which is yeah. So that was did, was that today that popped up or yesterday? Yesterday evening, yeah, yeah. So that's um, another one of those kind of quasi starters boxes. So two armies, um, a big chunk of background, um, and the rules for sort of ninety quid. I'm assuming it's going to be ninety quid because that's what the others were. Yeah. Um, Decent amount of stuff in there. Certainly worth its its value. Just you pay ninety quid for one of the armies, really. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's in, they're incredible. These boxes. I was talking um, about this yesterday. If you were wanting one or the other, and you had someone you could split it with, by the time you take into account the fact that in, even if you bought it at retail price. It's a good price, but then once you take into account that a, a large number of places you can get a reasonable discount, not unusual to find twenty percent. 
no. somewhere. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, it's mad. You, you, it's well, yeah. It's it's just it's just excellent. Uh, yep, and and they're so, all um they're all the real deal. So you get the yeah, they're not the easy quick build things, are they? Nope. So it's the it's a proper box of um inceptors, intercessors, reavers. Um, the lot, you know, they're all the real thing. Um, so I, th- I think it's, I think it's a great value box set. Um, it's a good one because these, I like these because they, you take them or leave them, don't you? They're easy to leave. The background will come out in other ways eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or if you're that way inclined, there's plenty of bit sites that will sell the book just for the book. You know, yes. When they, when they break them down. Um, the character models. I think that they have suffered from, and I had a good look at them, from the golden angle photographing. Yeah. So I think if you had them in person, they would look completely different. Um, mm-hmm. But when you see them next to each other and they've both been golden angle photographed, they, they do look very similar to each other. Um, but they're sword aloft, that kind of classic Games Workshop pose. <laughs> but, yeah. but I really like them. Um, but I'm a sucker for Space Marines, so... <laughs> but I think... And I'm a sucker for so Elder. the Spirit Seer... <laughs> well, yeah. The Spirit Seer, that's the first time we've seen that in plastic. So the current Spirit Seer model is um is resin. Yeah. I've got one uh, that I never painted because the staff is bent, and every time I heat it up and straighten it, it just bends again. Um, So, so that's great to see. And the Space Marine... um. The other Primaris Lieutenant with his sword raised is specifically a Blood Angel one, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. It's a slight, so it's, it's a slightly different sword raised, but it it is, yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's a not it's a generic. My here is my sword guy. <laughs> I think um, I think he's a lot better than the one that comes with Conquest. Do you? I do, yeah. I don't really like the one that comes to Conquest. Wow. I think, however, that one might, again, suffer from the Golden Angle photograph. You haven't subscribed to Conquest, have you? No, I haven't, no. But I'm sure that... Well, that's a shame, because if you don't like it, you know, I'd be over I'd I'd be happy to have it. <laughs> if anyone else doesn't like it, I'm my, that's my bit of charity. I'll help people out. <laughs> Take it off their hands. I don't like it. Take it off their hands. Uh, I won't even charge. <laughs> right. Um, so, wake to dead. There's that planet is is going to be the key thing. I think they're building up to something with it. Yeah, well, everybody seems interested in it. Well, it's the only safe passage through from one side to the other that we know of. Um, but it, it does seem like everybody's interested in it. The orcs are there. Um, the space wolves are there. The... The jeans, I think the iron hands are there. It's just the ultramarines clearly there. Um, Elder are sticking their nose in like they normally do. Um, yeah, so yeah, I reckon that's going to be um, the next big thing. Yes, campaign thing like uh, the uh, rise of the Primarch and all that stuff. The Gathering Storm ones. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Hopefully, Russ will return. Yeah. Come on, Russ. <laughs> be amazing. Um, um, coming soon from Forge World. So, Cry of the Huntress, which is quite cool to see as well, oh, because that was what the so giant cutout thing was. Um, so yeah, she's very cool. 
And, I've been uh, trying to work out whether this is the first time we've seen her painted. Yeah, it is. Well, I've not seen her painted. And whoever's done that has done a flipping brilliant job of it. She, yeah. She's wicked. I, I can't wait to buy her, mate. I'm so excited. <laughs> because <laughs> the art, her artwork was just brilliant, and they've done such a good job of capturing it. Yes. Whoever, I don't know if they drew it after they sculpted it or sculpted it after they drew it. I don't, at this point, I don't care. I just want the model. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and also this, the Serapetech, um, the big Necron giant thing, Walker thing, <laughs> big Necron thing with a singularity generator, which is its gun. It's lost its way from um, Star Trek. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, 36 inches, that gun. So not a massively long range for one of these big monstrous things. But 3d6 shots, strength 8, minus 3 AP and d6 damage. And if you do, if you roll a 6 plus when rolling to wound with it, it does a mortal wound in addition to any other damage it does. So it's a killy gun. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Very killy gun. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's wicked. I think it looks like an absolute bitch to put together, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice to see something big like that for Necrons, and not just it's not just um, a Titan which is more silver. Yeah, so that's quite cool. It is. It's quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite big. Remember seeing it at Warhammer. It's massive. You could use it as a yeah. football. <laughs> well, you could. It's quite an expensive option, but it's the most expensive football. Mind you, having said that, footballs aren't cheap. For goodness' sake, <laughs> they're not. My son, <laughs> my son wanted a World Cup football, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, why not? No, you can't have that. It's thirty quid." <laughs> like, yeah, get one from Asda for a fiver. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, I'm. Th- I do think we've seen a massive downturn in Forge World stuff, though. Well, maybe it's just a comparative thing. Yeah, I wondered that. Compared um, to Citadel, because it feels like we've lost more Forge World products this year than we've gained. Yeah. I mean, they put out something new is released from Forge World every Friday. At least one thing. So Every Friday? Every Friday. Is it really? Yeah. Um, although, and it previously it has been a multi, you, you know, you've got multiple things, but, um, of late it's just been the one. Yeah. So, but that still means that you get four things a month, four or five things a month, which is a fair bit. It just doesn't feel like that at all. No. There we go. No. So, um, last thing to talk about. It's been just a bit like a news section, this, hasn't it? Really? There's been so much. Um, it's the Kill Team releases. Um, so two, two that are kind of big things. So there's another War Zone, which is, um, got the, the Martyrs thingies in, defense yep. thingies. And, um, the rules for characters, which I'm quite excited about. But, um, I'm also a little bit, I quite like kill teams being grunts. I don't know why. Yeah. 
I don't I don't really fancy having whopping great big captains, you know, with a team of four guys stomping the hell out of everything. Um I know that if you play in a, with a captain it'll be balanced with the other side. The whole the whole system is very you know balanced. It is been worked out quite specifically and the, the book the description of it sounds like there's going to be a shed ton of options to make um uh you know your character unique and it sounds like they're going to be releasing box sets like they've done for the kill teams so like a here's your character with a bit of something i guess a bit of scenery or um and his rules um but i i think i quite like the idea of kill teams just being troopers i don't know about i'm sure other people don't have that um feeling and they're you know, going to be sticking their war bosses and neck, um, elder farseers all over the place but well, yeah <laughs> there we go. I, no I, I tend to agree with you I, I think probably it's part of another stepping stone for people going from kill team to, to 40k yeah and like building that collection and adding like another element yeah yeah to it isn't it um I guess so. I, I think, I think the box sets are very interesting. I don't know. We don't, they haven't said what they're going to have in them, but I mean, it's without beating around the bush, the kill team stuff is preposterous value. It is Games Workshop special offers. In a, are you sure they haven't said what's going to be in them, dude? I, I, I don't remember that, but I'm not completely sure. I, I didn't think they um, had. Cause which ones was it that you're talking about, mate? The character boxes. So it's, oh no, they haven't. No, no, you are correct. They haven't. They haven't said what's going to be in them. Sorry, I thought you meant because there's some. Um, there's a Tau one and a. Yeah, so there's two more teams coming out, but they're going to release the characters as a, a box like they've done with the teams. And I, yeah. and I should think that there will be something other than just the character model in there. Um, the character model and their cards. So I'm expecting the cards, um, the model, and a little something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the teams are just stupid value. And the boards are stupid value. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we were looking at the Munitorum one. And um, you get 90 quid's worth of stuff for 50 quid. Yeah. And that's, without, <laughs> and that's not including the cardboard board. You know, it's just scenery. So you get two of the shipping crates and the... And the um, you know the server hauler thing. It's it's a lot of stuff, and the 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 martyrs one is the same, and the 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 uh, manufacturer one, I suppose, is the way to do it. you know the um, industrial one is pretty much the um, Prometheum Forge, minus a few walkways. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there, and so by the time you've got. So, say for example, you're a Space Wolf player, you want your Space Wolf box set and you want the Industrial Zone, you've got a fair bit of stuff there, scenery-wise. Um, yeah, you, I mean, it's, it, it really is crazy that I'm just looking at the kill zones that are coming out, the Wall of Martyrs environment. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much which, your battle line sorted, if you ever wanted to get one. Yeah, and that's going to be 50 quid, I'm sure. Yeah, what do you get? Two Two sets of... The sec of the trench sections and the bunker, don't you? Yeah. So that's that's. So and these, uh, do you get these little? There's two little junction-looking things. So they're separate. Yeah, they are. They, they no, I think they're a separate thing too. 
And if you added that to, and then if you picked up the Tau or the Necron one, which has got two more lengths in it, that's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. I, I think it's, it's, a, it sounds stupid, but I, I don't care much for Necrons. I've, I like playing against them because I like people's armies. I don't like their background because I think they're sort of spooky and horrible. Um, but it's not that I don't like the background. I just don't, I don't have a connection to them. Um, they feel a bit like the Borg, but, you know, with less human bits. Um, the Tau, again, I, I, I do resist collecting a battlesuit army because I love the battlesuits, but I would, I'm quite interested in getting those box sets because I reckon if you've got the whole lot, your scenery collection's done. And you well, can do yeah. them a little bit at a time as well. I can't, I can't see them do, keeping on releasing new ones every single month. That would be ridiculous. But mind you, haven't said that. It, it's Games Workshop's current release schedule. It wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, there's not much more to say on that other than I just, I think it's a fantastic <laughs> way to get into the hobby because by the time you've done, you know, you've got, if you've got two of the war zones and a couple of the gangs, you've basically got yourself a battlefield. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very good, and the starters box set is ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. <laughs> so, for thirty quid, you get the, the administration building, which is one set of floors, one set of walls, and one set of ruins for thirty quid. The main box is eighty quid. You get. I, well, I'm going to have to look it up. I think it's three of them, isn't it? I've just I wrote this message to you yesterday, so it won't take me long. So excuse me, guys, when I um. So yeah, you get two walls, two floors, three sets of ruins, and one large door sprue. So you get more than you do. You effectively get the eighty quid's worth of scenery. So you're getting two squads hmm. of whatever the other stuff, and the book for free. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. There we go. So um. Is that 40k? I'm feeling in the need for a cup of tea, dude. Yeah. (laughs) We need some refreshment. There's so much to talk about. It's amazing, isn't it? Yep, so that is the Galaxy of War. We are going ahead probably to get some refreshments, but then into the Mortal Realms. And we are crashing into the mortal realms. Um, Absolutely. We've got a few things to talk about for this one, but we can spend a little bit more time talking about them because we're not rammed uh, with releases. However, there is one that we did remember um, in our never-ending bid to keep the intro completely different from the rest of the episode. Um, we forgot Nighthorn. <laughs> we forgot Nightvolt. Nighthorn. Nightvolt. <laughs> we forgot the name. We forgot the product. Fortunately, we also forgot to talk about. Conveniently, forgot to talk about me getting a drubbing by the Custos in uh, in the Galaxy of War. So we've got plenty of room for Nightvolt now. Yep. Um, Huzzah! <laughs> so, um, what's first? What are we going to do first, dude? Uh, well. We'll Beast talk about Nightfall because we mentioned it. No, no. Nightfall. Night okay, let's do Nightfall. <laughs> Professionalism. Um, Up to 11. So Nightfall is um, basically Underworlds on Mark 2, isn't it? 
Yeah, so it's the next instalment in the saga that is the Warhammer Underworld. So really confirming what many people suspected, I think. The Underworlds is just the overall title, and then we're going to get different seasons. Yeah. Uh, probably on a yearly basis, seeing as it is a year on from Shadespire. Um, adds different mechanics. So we've got to magic in Night With magic dice. With magic dice. Um, so that's something a bit different. Um, going to be six new factions has been confirmed. How many were there in the last pictures. one? Well, there were six factions, but eight warbands. Do, th- because... do you think we'll have eight warbands this time, or just six? I don't know. I, I suppose um, once we've got our hands on the book, it'll tell us in there, because it did in the other one. Yeah, I mean, it depends. So, oh my goodness, I'm just having a, a total blank now. What are the two that you've obviously you've got the Night Haunt? Faction and the Stormcast. It's the Stormcast, isn't it? Yeah, the, yes. the um, so evocators, evocators. Yeah, and then we know. You... Yeah, so may, maybe we might see it's a, a, a different version of them, separate to the main starter box. Um, well, you could have um, which castigators or um, or the the uh, secateurs. Sec- what are they called? Secateurs, <laughs> they go they, <laughs> cutting the the lady of vines rose bushes. That's brilliant, mate. That's fantastic idea. You should be on the design team. <laughs> Stormcast secateurs, <laughs> love it. Oh, great. So, um, yeah, so we got the, We know. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're getting the so, goblins. Um, We're getting well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's there's the goblins, and then a, it, what appears se- to be separate to that is is the troll. Well, might be in the same warband. Or might be his. No, no, no. They're not. Are they not. Not, 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 not according to the pictures that have been put up that reveal the warbands. Oh, cool! I've not seen those. Oh, do tell me. Yeah, so that's that's why. Like, it's quite cool. Um, quite interesting. Because, um, here we go. I'm just, I'm actually doing exactly what you said the other day that I always do, which is going through and looking, looking for it. Yeah, but at least you're talking while you're doing it rather than just making me feel that you've gone to sleep. What, just, just sitting there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, there's some pictures somewhere and I'm, I'm just trying to find them now. Of all the war bands, it's not in that post. Oh well. So we know we've got a Zinch one. Oh yes, yep. Zinch. We know we've got goblins. Some awesome looking goblin that's roasting marshmallows on his back. That is fantastic. No mushroom. Sorry, mush- not marshmallows. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, there's some. So we got them. We got the troll and his dudes. Dark oath as well. Dark Oath. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's all looking quite exciting. Yeah. Um, they've done some cool new, like, terrain objective markery thingy mobs. Yeah, I think, I wish they'd done those for the first one, to be honest. But yeah. They didn't. 
And they've done a battle map, which I quite like, kind of like to set your stuff out. Yeah, I like that. Um, Keep things organised. Do like a bit of that. Um, I'll probably pick that up, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's good, isn't it? I mean, I can see this like revolving. It's like a revolving door, keeping going as long as people are interested. Um, if nothing else, people will buy the warbands because they're ace. Frankly, yeah, they are very nice. Um, very nice. Although the evocators or evocator or whatever you want to call them. In the second the, no, that's the other ones. The streamers, the, str- the lawnmower group, the lawnmower group. Uh, we're just making up names for bands here. So, um, I'm not sure about the other two. I like the the guy that's leading them. He he looks really cool, but the other two just look much the muchness. But um, mm-hmm. it's only when you really look at them that you see some really cool details, like the fact she's holding a staff. And she's got two fingers sticking out, um, like um, yeah, horns of the devil kind of thing. Um, I really like that, but that's a that's a really subtle detail that I couldn't can easily get lost in that. Um, whereas the Nighthorn guys are flipping brilliant. Um, yeah, they are good. I um I got to see them the other day. Did you? Um, in well, actually, they were. I, I, when I went to Terra Games, they had them. Oh, cool! Yeah, um, and and that was good to see. Really good to see. So, um, in an effort to keep us moving forward, we're going to talk about the Beast Men, aren't we? Well, I'm I'm just before. Oh my goodness, dude! I can't believe I even no- didn't notice that. So, I'm sorry. I'm just going back to Nightbolt. So, thanks to the 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 powerhouse that is Bella Lost Souls. Um, <laughs> I have I have found the pictures I was looking for. Um, they're from Games Workshop. I think they must have been on a video or something. But basically, there's a warband which looks like it's got two squigs. Uh, this isn't miniatures, by the way. This is just a picture. But um, I'll I'll put I'll put them up on the page. Um, if Ben reminds me. Um, so it looks like it's got some kind of mad magician. With mushrooms growing out of his hand, a fanatic, the guy that we've seen that's got that's roasting mushrooms on his back, couple of squigs and a netter. Oh, cool! So that's part Zarbag's gits, they're called. <laughs> and then uh, eyes of the nine. So that looks like we've got uh, a blue horror, a zangor, which we've seen the picture of on Warhammer Community. Um, with a double-handed sword, and um, a Zainch Arcanite, and um, uh, a Gaunt Summoner-type guy. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. Uh, Quite cool. Uh, Chaos Warriors-type thing, which very Dark Oath-looking. Oh, cool. Um, So that's quite cool. Fungus Trolls Warband, right? Now, the picture for them is really interesting. There looks to be like a really angry-looking rock beast thing. <laughs> An angry-looking fl- rock. That- I know. It's like the rocks from the labyrinth. Oh. It is, honestly. It's, it, yeah, it is a bit. Oh, no. Oh, dear. They've got the troll with all the mushrooms growing out of him. Um, 
The fly and squig looks to be part of that band. But also, there's a flipping... You are going to hate this, mate. You are going to hate this. It's like a walking demon mushroom. It looks like. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then there's a Sylvan F band. Oh, cool. Due to be coming out. And a Caradron Overlords one. So that is eight. Is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we have confirmed that Dan can count to eight. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Beastmen. Every episode is another... Chance for me to test my math skills at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, we'll move on now, dude. What what did you want to talk about? Beastman. Beastman. Big Rock. There's another... Oh, sugar, I've just smacked the microphone. That's going to be a bit of editing, isn't it? Not anymore, because you just told everyone you did it. it. Um, I'll have to take that whole section out. <laughs> right. Beastman. Um, Beastman, Dad, we're Beastman. talking about Beastman. Beastman. Big rock. Angry rock. Another angry rock. So, Beastman are out. Um, and this is sort of combining everything to do with um, beasts for chaos. So, they've put um, the Thunderscorn which is your Dragon Ogres and Dragon Ogre Shagoth are in here. Yep. Um, all the Minotaurs and stuff have all made it into here. The Jabba Slyth has made it into here. Uh, obviously, all the Beastman stuff has made it into here. Including um, a whole bunch of models I've never seen before and thought were all new releases, but had snuck in in my previously mentioned downtime. Oh, right, yeah. You're, you're outing. Yeah. From the hobby. Um, so much like in the chaos books, I don't know about the other ones, but certainly, so in my Blades of Corn book, for example, you have Corn Mortals, Corn Bloodbound, and Corn Demons. And depending on what your general's from affects what items he can have. Yeah. So you've got a similar thing in this book because you've got Thunder Scorn, you've got Oh, I can't remember what they're called, but it's the Minotaur lot. And then you've got the normal, the Gores and stuff. Yeah. So depending on where your general's from, depends what he can have. The big, um, and I know you're quite passionate about these, but the, the army specific scenery piece. Yeah. 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 Um, that's quite cool. It, it's influence on the battlefield grows as the game goes on. So it's sort can, of, can you um, destroy it? Area of, pardon? Can you destroy it? As in, if Ooh, if you're know. fighting against it, is it something that you can eliminate? <clears throat> You'd think so. I don't. I, that's I don't a question know. I have generally for all. But all then of the I think it just sort of um, it it only it doesn't. I don't really know. I'm not going to say anymore because <laughs> I'm not certain, and I'll just I could just be wrong. <laughs> Lovely. So yeah. Area effect scenery. I think um, I love it. I'm really happy. Oh, it's a lovely model. Every, every single time that they do it, for, for the Deepkin and the Nurgle tree 
thing with the mouth. <laughs> and uh, and this, I just, I think it's great. I really do. I love it as well, mate. I think it's really cool because you bring in a um, you bring in a part of the battlefield along with you in your army. Um, I, I yeah. I'd even let people who brought it along just put it on the table, and so I haven't paid the points for it. I just want it on the table. You crack on, dude. I just love it. Absolutely it love it. Great, it just yeah. looks fantastic, and it adds something to the to to the whole narrative of the of the game. And I just think yeah, I just love it, love it. And the model that they've done is really nice. And God, the endless spells! That bull is absolutely flipping massive. Yeah, it's, it's easily as big as the as the other, like the head and the purple football. Um, really cool. Yeah, it's massive and flipping amazing value for the start collecting. Really good. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Right, go on, talk me what's what's in it. So. Um, I, I'm going to secretly got... tell you now. I'm not going to secretly because now everybody listens. There's 500 people now. I have a I have a soft spot for Beastmen. I do. I know. I know you do. I know you've got a soft spot for all chaos. No, no, just no. Gradually coming to realise no, it. Just, yes, just the Beastmen. Oh my goodness! Those and the spells are only twenty quid. <laughs> that Herdstone is only seventeen pound fifty. <laughs> That's the same price as the Space Wolf dice. Yeah, well, the Beasts of Chaos <laughs> dice are only £12.50, so you should have collected them, shouldn't you? No, I don't even... It's like they had a moment when they were pricing those flipping dice. All right, let's move <sighs> off that subject. Oh, dear me. Right, so anyway, in the start collecting box, you get one of the big Cygore thingy monsters. What the... What's that? The the big bull thing. The giant one. Yeah. Not not a minotaur. Yeah. Like really big, like the size of a giant. Yep. Yeah. He's cool, I like him. It's a Gorgon or a Cygor. You get ten Bestigors, which are like the elite ones. And you get ten Ungors, which are like the rubbishy little ones. And you get a Bray Shaman. Mm. It's not bad, is it? What? What? No, it's not bad at all. That's a load of stuff. What's what? The, hmm. Hmm. Well, I still wish they had done Dragon Ogre like faction and really fleshed it right out with just Dragon Ogres. Yeah, I was thinking that a moment ago. Can't have everything. So. It is. It's a shame that they haven't done that. Hmm. But at least they've at least they've not like got rid of them. Well, they could never really get rid of them, could they? I mean, there's there's so many nice models. Why well, there's so many nice models in the Bretonians? So, hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're a. Um, I think they're a great little faction, and they they're undivided as well, which I like. I like chaos undivided, uh, as we spoke about in the last one. That they kind of feel a little bit more like they just are. Yes, they just, they just yeah. are the beastmen. They are they are just what they live as and are. And I I, I like rather um, than being like, filthy heretics that have just debased their souls on the throne of whatever chosen. I like um, chaos undivided that all worship corn. <laughs> They're my favourite. Are they, Dan? 
Yeah. Dude, I love corn. You know, I was thinking <laughs> about this today. Because um, Ben and I were discussing the future of, of hobbying, like getting big projects done. And I was thinking about my corn army. Oh, there's so much I want to add, dude. I know. Oh. I've been enjoying not having to listen to it for a while, if I'm being honest. Well, I'm very sorry, but it's. Yeah, I don't think it's going to last for long. Hmm. Although I don't know, because I've got that corridor stuff to do. So, but yeah, so Beastmen look very, very cool. I could quite happily get on board with them. They have a cool mechanic whereby for every um, unit that starts on the battlefield, you can put a unit into like ambush. And then oh, in the cool. first battle round, it they all must come on, but they can come on from any table edge. Is that ba- more than nine inches away from you? Is that just battle line or is that all units? No, that's everything. Oh, wow. That's pretty sweet. Which brings me neatly on to my apology to Mr. Wosley. Because um, we played a game, 2,000 points, and my Stormcast versus um, his Wanderers. And uh, I Cheated. didn't bother reading my book. So <laughs> what I did is put my entire force, apart from like one unit, into Azir. And then deep striked it down. And actually, you can only put half. So you you have to have a unit on the table if you put a unit in yeah. for each unit that's up in the heavens. And it's funny because after the battle, because by like turn two, the game was over. And Dan and I were like, this is ridiculous. These Stormcasts are insane. Like, how is that right? Uh, turns out it's not. <laughs> so very sorry, Dan. But we will have a rematch, and I'll just smash him then. That's fine. Legit smash him. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I really love playing with my Stormcast a lot more than I found I enjoy playing with my corn. That's because they're not but the base heretics. Yeah, maybe. Nah, I love them. <laughs> I love corn. It's fine. It's all good. I just got to paint me in my... I got to get that flipping blood first, though, that's been on my hobby desk for... Oh. It's, it's getting to be a Blood Bowl Orcs project, that. Yeah, but the difference is you actually worked on the Blood Bowl Orcs. I've done some work on the Blood first. Like you've done a day. You did a day, Dan. You can't paint something for a day and then go, oh, I've been working on it for six months. <laughs> that's, not how it, that's not how it works. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Okay. So, um, we have discussed Beastmen. Again, an in-depth review. So, finally, uh, as part of our ongoing desire to talk a little bit about the old world and link that into a bit about the mortal realms, we were going to discuss lizard men. Yeah, yeah, lizard men. I yeah. think so. Lizard men um, are a funny one, aren't they? Because I don't know. If I said to, uh, I'm going to go back to 40k for a second, but for me, the Tau have been around for some time now, and they still feel brand new. They're like the interloper that came in halfway through the party. Lizardmen were there almost from the word go, and yet they've always felt to me like they were brand new and just turned up to the party, and I don't really know why. They were the second um, starters box set that I got was the Bretonian and the Lizardman, and I've loved the Lizardman. In fact, I painted all of the Lizardman in that box set. Um, I didn't paint the Bretonians because I wasn't 
at all skilled enough to do that at the time. But um, and there's uh, they had wicked dioramas right almost from the first first couple of day um, years I was painting and playing in the hobby with like um, empire dudes in Aztec like halls and pits of snakes and you know they're saving the dude from the execution. Do, do you remember that one? Yeah, 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 that's. I think that's in Warhammer. It is, yeah, and so they've been around really from really very early on, and yet they always felt brand new to me, like they were separate in some way. And I don't know whether that's just because <laughs> I don't know. I wondered if it's because Games Workshop cleverly made them feel different from everything else on purpose. And put them in a completely different part of the map on purpose. So that they felt separate and alien and different and Yeah, and I think also because they're not humans or human like. Yeah. They're very different, aren't they? So even like an orc is more Relatable. More relatable than than a lizard man. Yeah. Um so I think that's part of it. Um yeah. So, uh men in the old world were down in Lustria. Um which is basically South America. Which is like South America, yeah, that part there. Most ancient race, um the Slan were like the most ancient beings still alive on the planet on the old world and uh they were created by the old ones and that was like the only bit of background that for a while crossed over. So, like, there was Slan in 40k. There was, yeah. That arrived on, and they, and, and supposedly the Slan in, not Slan, the old ones arrived on their spaceship, like, to the old world. But that was like, this is like ages ago, a long time ago, not really important. Um, so, at the end, when the old world died, now, I was looking up exactly what happened with the lizard men when the old world died. I've got a feeling they took off into space. <laughs> just, just pack this in, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when there's the dolphins. <laughs> These guys are idiots, no. I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. So long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's the situation. So, um, I quite like the lizard men in in fantasy. I started out getting a few lizard men for fantasy. I think because there was an article in White Dwarf about how to build a lizard man like temple city thing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I had a go at doing that. It didn't go out. It didn't go great, but it it, it went a bit. Um, so I did a bit of that. Um, really nice big model range. They were great when you had the. The units of 30 of them, 10 wide, 3 deep, lots of attacks, right up until a purple sun rolled across them all and they all died. <laughs> because the purple sun worked on an initiative test and they were initiative one or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And it was just like, oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> I can remember poor Dan Wosley was trying to branch out from his Wanderers um, and he set up his army and I, I think it was Tom... Might have been Tom rolled a purple sun down the whole flipping side, and it yeah it was they were all dead. <laughs> Just everything gone. Um, so fast forward to the mortal realms, and 
for a long time, it was a case that it was just the slan, and they sort of remembered them into being their their armies. Yeah. Uh, but a recent bit of background was set on one of the slan sort of starship type things, and it, inside there is a spawning pool. All oh, right, and yeah. And they're actually making like new ones. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, go back a bit because you've just yeah. said starships. Yeah. Well, they're like they're like giant. They're basically the cities, the old cities from the old world that are floating around in the more realms. Ah. Um, but what I love is that there's a great piece in. I'm looking over at it now. Balance of Power, which was the second book in the Mortal Realms uh, sort of uh, campaign when Age of Sigma came out. And there's a bit where Scarbrand and a demon army are like rampaging through some woods and they come across just a single slan. And he just blinks a couple of times and then a flipping ton of Lisbon just appear and start annihilating stuff. Um, and their armies are formed around constellations. It's all very astrological stuff. Um, and my best advice would be buy the book and read it because listening to me is getting nowhere. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> so I'm just going, um, um, I think, um, they're, they're, they're not any. <sighs> They're not something that I know much about in Age of Sigma, so I'm I'm quite excited to to explore them. But I, I have liked their new kind of feel that they are they're like good demons in a sense. They're, yes, yeah. They come when they're needed. Well, they're described in some of the background, like when they get cut and stuff. Like starlight comes out. I still just think that's awesome. Yeah. Um. The only thing I have against. Like, which, to be honest, I mean, you can change this with the way you paint them, but I don't like it when they're all different colours. Um, like, loads of different colours. Now that they're like these star demon things, all right. I almost feel like they should be one... Almost like ghosts are. Okay, yeah. Well, then you should collect an army and paint them like that. Well, no. No? No. Lame. I'd like, I wouldn't mind. I don't have anything against pretty much any army. Um, but I got plenty of things to be doing. <laughs> yep. But there you go. Another, um, well thought through chat about something. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the lizardmen get a second look sometime in the near future or whatever they're called now. Yes, what are they called now? They will. Seraphon. Seraphon. I'm hoping they get another look. Because uh, I don't really think there was much re- in the way of physical release when they got their book, was there? No, there was nothing. So um, I think they're kind of crying out for some some new models, really, to take them into a new place. Hmm. So watch that space, but not before you do the elves. <laughs> do the elves. Right, um, so look, should we move on to Hail to the Community? Yes, we shall. Excellent. We'll see you on the other side.
Hail to all ye in the community. Um, we have come to that exciting section where uh, we go through some of the upcoming events, do some shout outs. Yep. Oh, and announce our prize winner. Absolutely. So um, I thought that we'd start out by doing our shout outs. Yeah, of course. That's great. As normal, I like doing it from Instagram. I think Instagram is great for looking at models um, and just being doing it. Ooh, ah, that's such a nice model. Um, I'd like to start. I've cut, I've chosen an orc theme this time because we're moving into October very soon. Um, in fact, when time people are listening to this, it's going to be practically October. Um, I'd like to start with a guy called Two Thick Coats of Paint, and he's on Instagram, and it's two underscore thick underscore coats underscore of underscore paint. Um, I first found him when he was doing his killer cans, and the weathering on his killer cans is absolutely exceptional. Um, and generally, the whole kind of feel of his org stuff is really nice, really colourful, um, while maintaining a sort of battered and drab appearance. Um, uses lots of um, weathering and cool coloured paints to, to give a really nice sort of overall effect that I'm very, very fond of. Um, so he's my first one. My second one is, um, I'm going to bring him up quickly, a chap called Quarter Paints, I think. If I remember that rightly. Quarter Paint Josh. Um, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating to say um, that this guy has one of the nicest painted orc armies I've ever seen. Um one of the things I'm really fond of is the skin tones that he does. Um, and also, really, really like his guides. He does really nice step-by-step guides on how to do lots of stuff. Um, and I think that's great. Um, I do kind of really struggle with how he manages to paint so many nice-looking orcs. I, I just think <laughs> that is... A, that's dedication to the orc orcdom, really. Because when you're painting a horde, when you're painting everything to, to the, the quality <laughs> he he is, it it um it's it just takes effort, like real effort, um, to to do horde armies to that quality. So I'm um, I really strongly recommend him. And not only is he good at orcs, his other stuff is good too. So um, I just thought I'd. Throw in two orcish ones, and I can't wait to see what they guys. And I'll do some more orc ones next next time. But uh, what they do with the new stuff is going to be brilliant. So um, really excited about looking forward to that. So that's my two. Cool. So um, <clears throat> as ever, I've had a look on the the two piece group uh, hobby group. So really nice. There's a uh, 150 members in there now, which is really great. Lovely to see. Um, and Every day something's going up, um, ranging from uh, John's struggles with um, categorising all his paints while his little one takes them back off the rack again, uh, which I think is fantastic, to some real quality um, paint jobs. So a couple for me. Uh, Mark Coxie has um, put up a Death Guard just recently. Uh, really, really nice. I... Death Guard, you can go, you can go quick and dirty and fast with Death Guard, but you can also put a bit of time in and, and this one looks, looks really good. So definitely check that out. Uh, and Josh Gifford, who always turns out some wonderful stuff, 
Um, an Iguan slaver. So I'm not sure where that's actually from. Um, but it looks really nice. It's green as well, dude, to fit in with your orc theme. He does a lot of, of random stuff, um, which is one of the reasons why I love following him, actually, because, um, and he's on Instagram as Gift Paints. Um, I, th- I think the range of stuff that he does, and he's always trying new things as well. Always. And it is great to watch. And he's a really nice guy. He will answer your questions if you've got them. So, um, yeah, big up. Um, John Hamlet's done some great Death Guard as well. Yes, I on, did um, notice them as I was as I was going through. It's good. It's nice to see. Um, people working on little kill teams. Yeah, uh, which is, seems to be what a lot of people are using those um, Conquest magazines for. Yes. Well, I, that was my intention, actually, with mine. Um, I also wanted to shout out, and, and they <laughs> they don't need shout outs, really, because they're, they're very well established, big, big deal. But I've been watching videos, um, painting guides from Next Level Painting uh, with Kenny Boucher and uh, <laughs> listening to the the Long War podcast, which is the podcast that's linked with it. Uh, and that's all linked with spiky bits. And it's just it's massive. And but his stuff is is really ace um i really like a lot of it is based around like quick painting hacks so quick ways of doing things um did an awesome way of doing rust uh loves riser rust uses it he kind of reminds me of how you would use that oh and he's a big fan of he's the, uh, he's the one who got corrosion. me into typhus corrosion yeah, he's just brilliant and he uses he waters down riser rust all the time and flows it into cracks and stuff but i just love the way he approaches things you know just trying to get them done but looking good and and he he also he said something really cool today which i hadn't considered he was like the great thing with an airbrush is it speeds up certain things but actually what that does is it gives you it saves you time in areas that you can then use to to put more time into other things um on the miniature um in his example, he was painting tanks, and so he was laying down the base colours with all the airbrush, but then going in with the brush and doing the riser rust and stuff. And he was like, "I can take a bit more time on this because I saved time with the airbrush with the stuff before." Yeah. But by far, my favourite comment of his, and and I, and I will say right now that um, normally we try and keep uh, the language to a minimum, but I I just have to. It's just brilliant. He was painting chevrons on an imperial knight, and he <laughs> he was showing all the armor plates that he'd done it on. And then he picked up one of the armor plates, and I can't remember which plate exactly it is, but it's got loads of edging on it. And he said, "To be honest, I didn't do chevrons on this because, to be frank, it's a pain in the dick." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "I just, I love, I just love him." Um, yeah. Yeah, so if you've not listened to them uh, or checked out some of his videos, which I'd be surprised, to be honest, if you haven't, but you might not, it's definitely worth uh, checking out um, Kenny Boucher and, and Next Level Painting. It, it's brilliant. Really good. He's done a lot of good really stuff good. on airbrushing, actually. Like, the yeah. basic stuff on airbrushing is where I kind of I found the most good early information stuff to get you started you know one of the things he did was is put my mind at ease with the airbrush 
basically like when I first got it, I was terrified of using it. I was worried I was going to break the damn thing. And yeah. and he just just throws the sodding thing in a cup full of cleaner. So I leave that there overnight and sort it all out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So he kind of put my mind at ease and got me able to break the ice and use it. So yeah, I totally agree with going and watching some of their stuff. Yeah. Cool. So um, on to the the calendar. Should we do now... our competition now? You want to do our competition? I do. Now? Yeah, I do want to do our competition. So. Um, I was really excited about this. Um, it's a great idea that came out of an interaction on um, a hobby forum. Two guys challenged each other uh, and did a fantastic job very quickly. And we thought, well, this is such a good idea. Why don't we expand it to everyone and, and give everyone a chance to have a go? And um, really, really pleased with the amount of... Um, response that we've had we had um 17 entries um all really good there wasn't a single one that was had people hadn't put effort in like genuine effort really thought about it um it took us a whole day and that's not an exaggeration um with the two of us um uh a golden demon winner a golden demon finalist and a games workshop staff member all, all five of us whittling away um, to come up with a consensus. Um, that's not an over-exaggeration, is it, Dan? No, no, I mean, part of that was due to me just... Getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> getting ahead of myself. It, it's like the whole situation. herding a demented cat with Dan sometimes. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we, we put the last five up, our shortlist up, and um, we've counted the votes today, uh, and the winner is... Um, Richard Nutter's fantastic, um, I think it's, it's been fed Black Legion Sorcerer, um, mm. built out of the Stormcast, um, Knight and Cantor on the front of the Getting Started magazine. It's a cracking bit of converting work. It, it almost looks like it was meant to be a Chaos, um, Sorcerer from 40k. So congratulations, dude. Um, yeah, it looks really cool. And we'll get your, your prize winging away in the post. And next time, um, we're probably going to do these every couple of months. Maybe not every two months, but every three months, perhaps. Um, I'm thinking of doing it the opposite way around. So getting a chaos model and making it into a, um, a loyalist. <laughs> oh my goodness. Which is a bit more of a challenge, but we'll have a think. We'll have a chat about any suggestions for the, the theme for the next one. Just buzz us an, e- an email or a message because um, be pretty cool. It has been distressing to watch Stormcast being lowered to the to, into Nurgle. Um, this I think converting space walls into demons. Uh huh. Yeah, I can see that working. They're almost there anyway. Yep. Well, pretty much. Yeah, they're scary enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, calendar time. What date is it, Dan? 24th. I can't believe... Well, before you launch into your calendar, I just want to um, highlight a couple of events that have uh, have come to mind up at um, Curtain Games. So you guys will have heard us talk about Curtain Games a bit. Uh, we really like the venue. Um, it's really, really cool. And the guys up there race. So they've got a couple of things they wanted us to talk about. So 
The first thing was a Shadespire Championship. So that's coming up real soon. That's actually going to be this Saturday by the time you guys listen to this. And um, it's Night Vault release day, which is a surprise, a coincidence maybe. Uh, <laughs> but Catacombs of Curtain 4. So that's their next Shadespire Championship. So it looks like those guys... That's number four. So they're doing four a year. That's quite cool. Well, they've done some uh, great. Marcus will know. Yeah, Marcus has well been up to that, almost all of them, and it has an absolute ball. Um, and the the crowd that go up and do it are great, um, and they're, they're excellently run. So he he practically drags me. I have to hold on to the door frame, otherwise he'd pick me up on the way past. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, to, to go up and do those. The only reason I haven't really is because it's just family things and other things that I have to do. Um, there was another one, wasn't there? Exeter Bowl. There is. X-Bowl e- e- 5. So that's on the 13th of October. It's a long-running Blood Bowl tournament, but the guys there um, at Curtain have just taken over running it. So And it's the first of the NAF Southwest Championship events in the season. So I'm sure if people are really into their Blood Bowl, they would know what that meant. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I have a vague idea from my stunning grasp of sports of what that probably means. But um, if it's, you know, it's great that these guys have taken that, taken that over. So that's the 13th of October. So make sure if you're into your Blood Bowl, you look that one up as well. So there we go. Those are the two. Excellent. Right. That's October. We want September. So I again with the next one, which will be the day after this is released, but I cannot not not read this out. So it's the first uh X Wing two event at um Curtain Games, and they've called it Disco Vader Nine. Let Qui Gons be Qui Gons. <laughs> love it. Um, so that's on Thursday evening, which is the day after this is released. So if you're into X-Wing um, and you're very keen on listening to us, then you can get up there tomorrow, um, I suppose. Um, the 40k campaign weekend um, at Warhammer World, um, which is... Just... Is this another Tenebris one? Yeah, the Dark Zone. So it's another Tenebris one. Dan and I absolutely loved the first one, so... Um, we can't speak highly enough of those events. They're full of energy um, and just a great laugh. Um, and then Fall in 2018, which is an event at the uh, South Wiltshire Wargamers, which are chaps down in Salisbury. And um, those two are on the 29th and 30th. So what's next? Death and Glory, Age of Sigma Double. Curtain Games, I mean, it, it, they keep coming up, but these guys are running regular quality events all the time, you know, for all manner of different game systems. So, you know, if you're not tied in with them and looking at what they're doing and on their Facebook page, you're missing a beat, really. Um, that's Saturday, the 6th of October. That's an Age of Sigma Doubles. Um, and then Terror, another great venue in the Southwest. Um, they're running an Age of Sigma tournament on a Sunday. So if you want your Age of Sigma sorted, go there. <laughs> Curtain on Saturday, yeah. Terror on Sunday. You went down to Terror this week, didn't you? I did. They're my uh, 
Then that the what I was going to talk about next. So oh, well, well, I... we'll put it off until we've done the calendar. Then otherwise we'll lose our place. But yeah. okie dokie. Got to keep yes, you in sir. line. Sunday this that's yeah. the Sunday the seventh of October. Um, so let's what's on after that. So the thirteenth or fourteenth. Let's push forward a little bit. That's the same weekend as Exeter Bowl, thirteenth of October. It's the Flames of War European Grand Tournament. On the Saturday the 13th, the same, same as Exeter Bowl, and that is being run at Firestore Games, um, which is just a mahoosive venue. Um, but you're going to do a Lord of the Rings tournament at some point, aren't you? I am due to go on the 6th of October. Um, it depends really on, on how Harry it is, but we will see. Right. Um, and on the 14th, Sunday the 14th, is a 40k fundraising event at Bristol Independent Gaming. Should be great fun. And the Terranian Open War Tournament at Terra Games. Um, and that is a, another 40k event. Um, so that's, uh, the next couple of weeks. As ever, guys, um, if you want your event read out or on our calendar, then please let us know. We, um, we do try our best. It obviously, it does wax and wane depending on how busy we've been. Um, but, we like to keep the calendar updated um, because it, it gives me an idea of what to go to next if no one else. <laughs> yeah. Right, so Terra Games, Dan. Go go for it. So Terra Games. So I got to visit Terra Games. I was... Um, it was my wedding anniversary, as I mentioned previously, uh, <laughs> on the 20th. So we went down to Plymouth, um, stayed with some of my family and um, just had a bit of time away, really. But... I decided to take on the Saturday, the 22nd, to take uh, Harriet for a romantic outing to Newton Abbott, um, which was uh, which was lovely in the rain. Uh, and it just happened completely by coincidence <laughs> that in Newton Abbott, Terra Games is situated. <laughs> so um, we popped in uh, and I, I have to say I was absolutely blown away terror have done a fantastic job they've got nine six by fours on custom made tables um which look look great good amount of scenery lots of wonderfully painted models in the cabinets and and obviously a, a big range so you've got blood bowl and you've got necromunda and you've got 40k and you've got age of sigma it's all there um, really good range of, of products, very much games workshop centered, but also some, um, some historical stuff in there as well. Um, some good, uh, a good range of paints, etc., etc. Um, and they've also got a couple of rooms specifically done out for, for role playing. So you go in and there's like a big table in the middle, like a round table with seats around it. And there's axes hanging on the wall and there's a map of Middle Earth and a map of the old world. It's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, mate. Honestly. So yeah, really impressed. Really impressed. Um, and just over the road, there was a really nice little sweet shop where I got some pick a mix. They were good. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I bought some grapes from the grocers. <laughs> uh, is what I meant to say. Yeah. Obviously, um, uh, it's also worth noting Bacra Models, which is in Newton Abbott. Oh my goodness! 
I have never seen such a fantastic range of hobby product in one place. They do sell some Games Workshop, um, which which is interesting that somewhere like New Nabbit's got two two places. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a big advocate for buying your stuff as much as you can where you get something back. So in or where they are trying to give something back. So for example, Terra have got gaming tables. So if you're playing at Terra, then it's good to purchase from them. But backroom models do sell games, but, but they just had so much paint, mate. So much paint. All the Tamiya range, all the Vallejo range, which is a massive range yeah. of paint. Loads of the AK interactive stuff. Um, which which is quite hard to find at times. It, um, it really is actually. Did they have, did they have they much had, MIG? Because MIG is a right bit. Yeah, they had loads of MIG. Um, Such nice Citadel stuff. Really to get older. Was there, of course. Um, and just, it's just a treasure trove. Harriet had to go and like look in another shop because I was just like I just totally overwhelmed by this place and all its different like hobby tools and paintbrushes and <laughs> yeah it was amazing really really cool be really easy just to go mental I mean and I've got a fair amount of hobby product so much in fact that I don't even know some of what I've got as Ben said <laughs> you hadn't used um, half of what I used while you were up there. I know. Well, one had just dried up, hadn't it? <laughs> you never awful. opened it. Got in. No, I had opened it. That was the problem. It hadn't been shut properly. Um. So yeah, a couple of really like new nabbits, like the treasure trove of uh, of hobbiness. So if you are looking for events, um, obviously you're a bit spoilt now. You got you know if you lived in Exeter, you got Curtain Games I'm, up one way, no, no, and no, then. No. And Newt now but the other. That's pretty awesome. So, yeah, do check them out because oh, it's really good. Really good. Ace, there is so, yeah, there is one is... last thing to talk about, Dan. So, um, after, ta- asking, uh, after floating the idea, having a long chat about it, Dan and I have, um, have set up a Patreon page. Um, we had a long think about how we wanted to set it up and what we wanted to achieve. Um, but the long and short of it is that doing a podcast isn't free. Um, you know, we, we upload enough episodes onto Podbean that we have to pay for a reasonable size package. Um, the website has its own costs as well. Um, and this has always been about as much about giving something back to the community as much as we can. Um, as it has been about two, the two of us having a chat. Um, but one of the things that we were keen to do as much as possible is not put anything that we do behind a paywall. Um, because there's no point in having a community based product if people can't access it. Um, so what we, we've done is we set up a Patreon, um, and would invite anyone who wants to help support us, um, to go on there and take a look. Um, and see what you think. Is there anything you'd like to add, Dan? Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I, um, Ben and I wrote what's on the Patreon thing together. Hence, why there's a fair bit of tongue-in-cheek hobby <laughs> randomness in there. Um, and there's three, three different levels. And I, I just echo what Ben said. Really, there are 
there are some costs. They're not astronomical costs. There are some costs involved with running a podcast, um, which, you know, we had to have a proper chat about this time round when the year went past and, and, and try and work out how to cover those. And so this, at its most basic level, is just helping us keep doing what we're doing. And we put some on ideas of things we'd like to do in the future on there, depending on if people... If people are excited by that and and feel that they want to support that, wonderful. Thank you very much. But, you know, I think equally, everybody that posts, everybody that comments, everybody that downloads an episode, anybody that tells their mates, you know, you're all contributing and helping. And it, and that's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we, we really, really, really um, appreciate any support. Yeah, and the patrons there because a few people have asked, and um, we thought we'd go for it. And to be honest, if we get enough patron, I'd quite like to build a castle. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm serious. There is a there is a um, an old radio listening station um, down near Bobmin. Um, that is ben, a, you are obsessed with this radio listening station. It's, it, it's like a little military base, dude, and it's. Up for sale, and it would make a brilliant, brilliant hobby world. Um, Have you even found out how much it is yet? I don't want to phone up. <laughs> no, it's ne- it's it's never going to happen. But if, mate, if I had a couple of million, I'd do it. A couple of million. This what is this? What it would take to just well to, to do it without I think hesitation? We better add a couple different uh, Patreon. I can I can see it costing levels. I can see them costing it five hundred thousand easy, easy if not if not a million. Which means right? Which means based <laughs> on what you just said, you intend to invest one point five million pounds into gaming tables. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I reckon I reckon it, it might even be a million pounds for the whole because it's a big property. It's going to cost yeah. probably half a million pounds to to do it up again because it looks like it's falling apart. <laughs> Oh but, my goodness. But it's just awesome. Dude, it's got a big chain link fence with barbed wire and military style buildings. It would be pucker. Anyway. Excellent. Never mind. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> good to know. So, um, that's it for community. Yeah, that's a nice community section. I like that. Yeah. What's chunky, going on? Chunky. So, um, we are now going to journey into Middle Earth. Oh, hang on. We don't want to get sued or anything. I think if we're singing it, it's okay. Oh, is it? Oh, in that case. Grab a cup of tea. We'll see you in the middle of. Hi guys, and welcome to our new section, which is Journey in the Middle Earth. And um, we did this because, effectively, we are so excited about the new Middle Earth strategy game that um, this mostly kind of dominated our hobby for the last couple of weeks, really. I think it's probably worth saying, like, um, hopefully anyone that normally listens to to Into the Wilds will have given... um, 
taken the chance, taken the opportunity to listen to Journey into Middle Earth, and it, I think right now there are loads of fantastic games, loads um, outside of Games Workshop as well. Games Workshop's offering is so constant and of such a consistently high quality, and it's something that was dear to Ben and I for a long time. That is, <laughs> it's very. You know, if I go back two years, two and a half years, well, even even just over a year, just to start the podcast, and the reason Into the Wilds was in there was because there was a genuine interest in other things as well, um, and time to do them because the, yeah. the offering from Games Workshop wasn't as strong. But now it's real. It's not that those games aren't aren't great. There are some great stuff out there. I mean, that song and ice and fire, song of ice and fire, um the the game of thrones game i'm just like wow but it's finding the time isn't it yeah it is it is and i think we, we are going to keep doing definitely into the wild section um but we we just like to make each one of the into the wilds a little bit more f- focused and um and actually for the last couple of podcasts the into the wilds has largely been about yeah. lord of the rings anyway so um here it is. We're going to, we're going to uh, uh, for the time being, we're going to um, going to alternate between the two, and um, and see yeah. how things go. Um, so, how are we going to kick this off? So, I've been bullied by elves. Where do we start? Yeah, well, Dan and I played our first full game um, in a in a flipping long time, and um, it it was very much a battle. So the game was such that the, the, the story that the scenario that we had was a sort of challenge between the two battle leaders. Dan chose some pathetic orc and I had Elrond. So he then spent most of the battle scurrying away trying to hide from Elrond. It, which um, didn't work. Which didn't, didn't work. But it was cool because I find sometimes that there was enough room. It started off quite close. I mean, you had to have your your chaps within not far from the centre of the the very centre of the bait table, and then you'd have to deploy your well, arms. Your leaders had so to be within we, three inches of the centre of the board, and then their warband had to be more than an inch from the enemy. One inch, mind you, from the enemy, and yeah. um, within six inches of the leader. So very quickly, you could have been into combat first turn. So it was very much a meat grinder. Um, with my battle line of elves, I had to withdraw into a space which I could defend better um, because he was flanking me with his wild riders, um, which didn't really help because the wags hurt, man. It really hurt. Um, killing an elf every turn, each one of them practically, is it's a tough pill to swallow when you're an elf player because you don't have many people to play around with, um, not many models on the table, uh, and every every turn you just kept charging. It was it was killing me until I got priority back. It was interesting actually. So I was trying out my 500 point list, and I got it in my head that for 500 points I wanted to have um, uh, a, a, quite a lot of orcs some wag riders and a couple of 
um, lower level heroes, but with heroic strikes. So the idea being to try and surround enemy heroes with greater numbers and then heroic strike to ensure that my fight value was high enough to win the combat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, to be honest, and, and I looked through the scenarios before I built the list and this specific, specific scenario is probably the weakest list I could have because it calls on your leader to be a badass, really. And there aren't many more badass than Elrond. There ain't many more badass than Elrond, no. But I was toying with, when I was doing the list, with, with possibly taking Shagrat. And if I took Shagrat, I mean, he is pretty good. He's very good. If he charges, he counts as a cavalry model for the purposes of being able to knock people to the to the ground. Ow. And he's got three might, three will, and three fate. Decent defense. So, you know, he's a monster. But he's also considerably more. He's he's twice the cost, at least, of one of the heroes that I had. Um, but if you had, cool. if you had a multiple list, you could paint him up and swap him in for two of the. Because I think in the game that we played, you'd have been better off ditching two of your characters and going for one more powerful one yeah the the you yes as soon as elrond as soon as elrond got in base contact it was over yes i think the what you've got to remember though is having enough characters to lead the number of troops you want to take yeah and and with orcs that's that's a issue isn't it yes so i'd have to check i'd have to check what um what level Shagrat is. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so for anybody that's listening that's played Lord of the Rings in the past, doesn't play at the moment, so one of the changes that was made with the new rules that I really, really like is um, when you build your army, um, it's it's a number... Your army is made of a number of warbands, and each warband is led by a hero, and depending what tier that hero is, it influences the number of warriors they can lead, and that ranges from none in the case of independent heroes, uh, up to 18 for Heroes of Legend, um, with, I think, increments is, there's one at 6, one at 12, one at 15, one at 18. The only exception to that is, um, I know, I don't know if it's in a specific scenario, I think it might be in the army list for Baradur, where Sauron can lead 24. Um, and that's the only exception. So you have got to have that balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is fine once you know, once you know that. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's been a really cool journey for me. I, I started battle companies or we started battle companies, uh, back in sort of March time ish, I think. And it's, it's almost like we didn't know at the time that Lord of the Rings would have this kind of renaissance, um, but it's almost worked in perfectly. The battle company's gradually grown, um, and then that's led straight into building the arm, the army as well. But I love the game; I love it. Yeah, it's it's very tactical, um, and. There's, you know, people joke about it. It is not easy to kill someone. Um, you've got to make the most of opportunities. You've got to think about what you're doing. 
Um, because you, you do have to roll quite highly to kill people. Um, but what that does is it slows down the moment by moment of what's going on. So if a turn is roughly a minute, for example, um, it feels like that when you're playing the game. Hmm. So the combats that are six turns is, is six minutes of fighting. It feels like, it, it looks like six minutes of fighting. The, the battle lines are being pushed and distorted and you're enveloping your enemy and you're moving them into the position you want to by forcing them back. And then when they've got nowhere to go, they're trapped and then you can really pound on them. And there's lots of, there's lots of thinking about it. And when your army unravels, bloody hell does it unravel so oh, quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when they've got that upper hand or you've lost a foothold, you, you you're, you will lose so many troops. And in fact, with our game, as it normally is with evil, once I got down, down to his point where he was having to make courage tests, it was all over. Yeah. Um, they all started, they had enough then, didn't they? Yeah. But I, the, the piles of dead were just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like three elves and Elrond standing around like, the go god. <laughs> We've killed up half of Rivendell. <laughs> so, yeah, really great. But and the, the the thing I love about it is that if you've got the time, and it isn't a short game to play if you play with big armies, if you play in 1,500 points, you're going to be there for a while. But it works. It, it really feels like a big battle. But then mm. at the other end of the spectrum, the skirmish is so good. The small yeah. level combat is so intricate. And the characters... Especially if you're playing a, a game where you've got multiple characters, you know, those, those epic scenarios like Ambush at Ammonhead, all of that stuff. It, it really works for those nitty gritty moments, like firing past an enemy to get to another enemy or into a combat or, you know, making that heroic intervention at just the right time and choosing when to use your will and your might. And you're so good. It really works. So big fan of it. Really big fan of it. Um, I got all of my Lord of the Rings out the other day. Um, it's one of those things where I picked up... I missed the first couple of box sets um, because I was at boarding school at the time and um, missed the magazine subscription, which is a shame because I'd have probably got stuck into that. And, but then when I was working in Games Workshop, I picked up a load of stuff, uh, as you do. Um, and I got it all out the other day. And <laughs> it's just so much stuff, dude. So many little bits and bobs that, um, but a lot of it's missing things. So I'm going to have to do some sculpting. Like I've got the Gondor big, um, trebuchet thing, but without the base plate. So it's going to be some, there's going to be some building. Um, <laughs> But I'm really excited about what to do next. I've been, and it's, it's actually also been really devastating going through the range because since we played on Saturday, I've been trawling through the Games Workshop pages looking for the, you know, what I want to do next. Um, like actually looking at the Hobbit miniatures. There's some which I just, because there's parts of the Hobbit film which I cannot abide. Um, but there's parts that I really liked. Um, and the elves, a lot of the models of the elves I really did like, apart from the palace guard with the weird helmets, I didn't like them at all. Um, 
and I've been looking at doing those. But in the process of doing that, found so many model kits that I just gone. Mm. Um, not just stuff that from the past. So there is now not 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 for sale any of the fellowship other than the plastic ones, which is I found really just difficult to stomach. To be honest, I cannot. I really hope they bring some of those back because. There's some really great sculpts in there that don't need redoing, ever, you know? No, and and I think also, for me, that plastic fellowship definitely was done at a time when maybe plastic wasn't as strong as it is now. No, because I mean, the, the Hobbit, the Hobbit fellowship for lack of a better word is is really nice the models are really really nice i I think it is it stands up against the metal fellowship from the first one yes but the the plastic is is i I, i'll be honest i just think it's quite poor um and i you wouldn't catch me spending 30 pound to get it i can tell you that no um and i think it's like gone okay I was going to say things like the mounted ring wraiths. They're gone. Yeah. You know, I think, um, they came in a box set with, um, L- a, Arwen? And, uh, Frodo on the horse. Yeah. I just think it's, tra- it's, it's a real shame. And I really hope that those things come back because I, I like to think that there is a buzz enough now that people would get them. People would pick them up. I stood in Games Workshop True the other day, listening to the kids who were often in there on a Saturday. Um, same sort of five or six of them. Absolutely buzzing about Lord of the Rings. And mm. I haven't heard that in years. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, they, they do bring this back. And you, you seem to think that they would, but. Yeah, well, um, uh, I, when we were at the open day, Adam said that uh, we would see a lot of stuff disappear, but then it would gradually, as it got repackaged and became, um, and, and certain books came out that supported them or what have you, that we would see them return. Yeah. That's not to say that you're going to see like before where you had five or six sculpts of Gandalf and it, that won't happen um, because... That was just craziness. Um, I disagree completely. What you? It wasn't. It won't happen. Or it was craziness. I don't think it's craziness at all. I think it's perfectly sensible. I need five. <laughs> I need five or six sculpts of Gandalf. I need. I need Gimli running, standing with a cloak, without a cloak, sat on an orc, smoking a pipe. Leaning against a wall, I want, the, I want all of them. <laughs> Every single yeah, well, one of them. that Gimli with him sat on the Uruk High, that needs to come back. That was just amazing. Yeah. Boromir. Why would you want a model of Boromir dying other than it's utterly brilliant? <laughs> it is, though. It's utterly brilliant. I mean, it's... I can't wait to see them come back. I honestly do, and I, I can't... I really hope they bring them back. Um... One thing that I'd like them to do is release uh, horses. It's very selfish, but I need horses because I've got uh, six Royal Guard, 
without horses. How has that even happened? I've no idea. You must have the horses somewhere. Nope. Well, to be honest, mate, it would be cheaper for you to just buy to... a pack of row here. Yeah, and <laughs> just throw be... the riders away. Yeah, thinking of it. Most of the riders would be broken anyway, if I buy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I'm really excited about is um is having a shot of building some proper Lord of the Rings t- scenery. Oh. Like doing it Amon Hen and um Yes, because it's just a completely different approach in many ways. Like it's more akin to railway modelling. Um the realism and stuff that you're going for. I yeah. know I'm so excited to build some Lord of the Rings terrain, dude. And use like the woodland scenics trees and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember it being being so inspired when I saw the terrain that they did for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, they just they did a fantastic job. They did a fantastic job. I'm really, I'm really glad to um, have got the books in my hands um, over the last couple of weeks, and I, I think they've done a, I've done the the changes that they've made to the rules, the ones that I've read so far, like the ones you just described about army structure, but also things like the charts of who should be able to fight who, and were they in the same era? Are you are you doing something that's out of, you know, out of narrative and and rewarding armies for being in narrative mm-hmm. as well um i really like what they've done there quite a lot particularly makes the rohan or rohirrim um a force to be reckoned with now with a plus one strength on the charge yeah well, what's your special <laughs> rule ben it's yeah uh thingy Stand fast and fire in Elvish, and if anyone can say it, then they can <laughs> buy him a pint because I can't. <laughs> it's great though because that's it's what Elrond says. It is, yeah, in the opening it, scenes of the first movie. I'm actually disappointed with that rule compared to other armies. Re- re-rolling to hit within six of the leader is re-rolling to hit. It's either to hit or to wound with um. Well, you don't know archery. in a to-hit roll, Ben. There is an archery. Oh, it's for shooting. It is, yes, for shooting only. Oh. So you re-rolled to hit for shooting, if you're within yeah, the six of, of Elrond. It. I don't think that's all that powerful compared to plus one to hit to, to wound on the charge. No. Because that applies to the whole army. Hmm. If it was re-rolled to hit with shooting across the whole army, then it would be boss. <laughs> That's probably why they didn't do it, in fairness. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Just means your archer's going to be sat around your commander for the whole game. Like a little circle on them. <laughs> yeah, a little six-inch bubble of hate. So when, when, you've, when you've done your Mordor, are you going to move on to anything else? No. No, we're sticking with Mordor. I really want to move on to everything else, to be honest. Yeah. Um, particularly fiefdoms. Oh, of Gondor. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think 
that the new knights on foot are incredible and, and good value and good value and um for forge world models at least oh for you know ultimately what are they 32 pound and there are six of them so they're five pound 50 ish a model something like that yeah that's absolutely fine and multi-part and if you were to put that into perspective with the forge world resin the uh the ring wraiths um, from the Hobbit, so from the the, the Necromancer bit, uh, it's ninety pounds for all of them. Yeah, which is ten pounds a model, effectively. Mm. So I think they're lovely. I think the Knights of Dol Amroth look lovely. I love the Knights of Dol Amroth Men at Arms, which are the Pike ones. Um, yeah. I've always liked the Clansmen of Lamadon. And um My only the issue a- with them is there's only three of them, so Yeah. And the Axemen of Lossenark are not quite so strong in my personal opinion, but I can get over that. So I do like the fiefdoms. Oh, and the Blackroot Vale Archers as well, they've got them as well, haven't they? Um Mainly I think what appeals to me is the idea it's really more about the, the Dolamroth, to be honest. Um you know. Dolamroth for Gondor, and they open up and they charge out, they sally out, and oh my goodness, how glorious! How absolutely flipping awesome just to have a load of knights. And it would be it, such a nice counterpoint because to my Mordor as well. Yeah, it would, and I, I think one of the things I really like about the way the way they feel, I feel that they've gone with Lord of the Rings this time, is that I don't feel you need to have masses of troops. Um, I think they've aimed the price point and um, the kind of army composition at a, a reasonable sort of position. So when it got to... And I think this might be one of the reasons why Lord of the Rings started to struggle is because when it got to War of the Ring, you, you couldn't really do the Knights of Dal Amroth. If you did a Knights of Dal Amroth army, it would have cost you an absolute fortune. Yeah. Having blocks of pikemen and multiple knight units, it just would <laughs> painful, painfully expensive. Whereas now, I, you know, if it, the Fiefton army, I think, is quite achievable hmm. without being mental about it. I'd I mean, be tempted it, as well to do like I don't know. I I kind of like the idea once the Mordor have done of doing more scenario specific forces. So looking at the old, looking up the old scenarios for like the journey of the ring. Yeah. And specifically painting up the forces. I'm I'm thinking a lot along those lines of those box sets. So getting my hands on the on the parts of them and doing things like the ambush at Amonhen. I would love that, mate. I was thinking about that myself. Um, just thinking about display-wise for, like, in the cabinets, how wonderful that, it would look just to have the journey of the fellowship, but but like told told through the box sets. Yeah, it would, especially it? as as the uh, Urukai Scouts are a fantastic plastic box, one of the better earlier ones, hmm. um, and you pop those alongside the the metal ones. Of the Albush Ammonhem box set, and yeah, I'd love to do that. Really would, 
really would. Um, which is why I hope they release them again. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think for me, it was it's either going to be the getting what I've already done got painted and then moving on to those scenario-based things because I, I feel like I also want to expand the elves that I've got. So I've got a very infantry-based elf army. Uh, I need to work on a few more of the characters, um, get people like Glorfindel painted. And um, I desperately need cavalry. Desperately need cavalry because I'm just so flat on my foot at the moment. Um, so that would be probably my next purchase. Would be a couple of boxes of Rivendell Knights. Yeah, they're stunning. They are, and I like Elrond on horseback as well. Mm. I've done quite a good job with his model. Elrond is good enough without being on a horse. <laughs> no, he's not. Right. Um, I think the core. Oh, crikey, look at twenty-five minutes. So, um, that brings us to the end of episode 31, I think. I think it does. It's been a joy. Yeah, it's been great talking to you, dude. Um, as ever, guys, we'd love to hear from you. Really enjoy interacting with everyone. I'm particularly proud of the hobby, um, hobby page at the moment. People posting up some awesome stuff and we do like seeing it. Um, and sharing ideas between each other. That is what it is there for. Um, you can contact us on at the two piece podcast is on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. One thing I would as a little sort of plea, if you do listen to us and you like what you like, what you hear or you like listening to us, like our pages, then please um, leave a little review on iTunes or Podbean um, or Facebook. One of the three, you know, particularly iTunes, because it helps get, you know, our, um, our podcast out there a little bit so newer people can listen to it. Because um, we'd really like to, you know, um, spread the word a little bit more. Yeah, the more people, we, I suppose, we hope that through our natterings, we inspire people or help them, or if we don't give them a piece of advice that's particularly helpful at least inspire them to go and find some good advice (laughs) so it's great the more people we can that can listen the more that that can happen so yeah awesome so um have a nice couple of weeks guys and we'll see you for episode 32 um and catch you then bye